0: For our reading today, we turn to the second chapter in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. Acts being the second book that Luke has written, in which he tells us that Jesus had given the instruction for the disciples to remain in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit be given to them. Then he explains about the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Pentecost. And we pick up the first meeting by this young church of Messianic believers. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. The fellowship of the believers. They, that is the believers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the Apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. May the Lord help us to understand through Peter's explanation of it and through the personal tuition of the Holy Spirit.
1: It's Peter for sharing in the reading with us. Well, if you've uh, stuck with us through this whole series, this is week eight of our Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Went quick, huh? eight weeks, can you believe it's already July? Like July, we've gone past that midpoint where it's the shortest day of the year and now it's only going to get longer. Don't know how that really works. Um, But this morning we're going to wrap up this series and we're going to sort of look over the past sort of seven weeks and um, sort of package it up a little bit to help us to live out a little bit of what we've been learning in the last little while. In week one, we talked about the problem of emotional emotionally health, unhealthy spirituality. You looked at the, the, the back end of it and, and sort of looked at its signs and its symptoms and how we can pick whether we're being healthy emotionally or unhealthy emotionally. Week two, we talked about becoming your authentic self, your true self, letting your false self sort of peel away so you can be restored into the person that God has made you to be. In week three, we talked about going back so that we could go forward, sort of looking at the past and breaking, the, breaking the, the, the mistruths of the past so that you may be able to live in freedom into the future. In week four, Jordan talked about um, that, that sort of blockage, the wall, how it's a hard place to be and, and our, our relationship with God needs to go through that tough space. And in week five, Jeanette talked about enlarging your soul through grief and loss and, and shared with us the importance of, of appropriately grieving uh, and dealing with grief well. A couple of weeks ago, we devoted the, uh, the service or the sermon to explaining the importance of a daily rhythm. Not just a, a, a quiet time of a morning, but a daily rhythm, developing this rhythm um, and a Sabbath time through our weeks, um, Countercultural to do it, but so important within this fast paced society that we lived. And then last week we looked at how to live and love well, didn't we? we? We talked about how one of the main ways that we grow into being an emotionally healthy adult is to practice the presence of God, yes, but also practice the presence of people making sure that that we're present with the people that are right in front of us, that we may show the presence of God to who we are talking to, that they may have a sense of the presence of God in their lives as well. And over the past seven weeks, I've had lots of wonderful conversations around different, uh, different aspects of this that has impacted different people's lives in different ways. And my hope is that our spiritual lives can continue to develop, that it will develop into this ongoing walk with Christ, uh, that our faith journey might resemble that which the Apostle Paul describes in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 to 18. It says this, it says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. What a way to live. Imagine we lived that way every single day. Can you think about a life lived that way? Rejoice always. That sounds like a big thing to do. Is it possible to find joy in the midst of conflict and of hurt and of pain? The chaos that surrounds us. Pray without ceasing. We tried to talk about that, or we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, to have a a daily rhythm, but without ceasing. How does that even work? How do we maintain a life that is continually communicating with our Creator? Give thanks in everything in everything, really? That's tough because I struggle to give thanks for my dinner after the Maggies have lost on a Saturday afternoon. That's tough. <laughs> Maybe I've got some issues though. <laughs> but but give thanks, even when the, the world seems to have thrown a spanner at me. Give thanks and the kicker for all of this. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is how God wants us to live. This is what normal should look like for us who are following Christ. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's not on your own. It's in Christ. The problem we have with this, though, is that God's normal has become so foreign for many of us that we settle for this foreign understanding of normal. Busyness, fear, worry uncertainty. They all become blockers in the longing to find joy or to be able to give thanks in all circumstances or or our ability to pray all the time. Because what the reality is, our emotional health takes a hit every single time we believe a lie that maybe we're not good enough. Or our emotional health gets us down when we fail and we're told that you're a failure whether someone says it or not. Our emotional health is hurt when someone calls us a name or creates a lie that we begin to believe. That's the joy killer. That's what stops us from praying continually. That's what stops us being thankful in all circumstances. Yet that's how we're called to live. And this is where our emotional health is so vital to our spiritual health and living out our relationship with God. Writer and theologian Walter Wengerin, he wrote a book called The Book of the Dun Cow. In it, he creates a fantasy world of animals living in community around a chicken coop. We've got chickens, so this resonated with me. Chanticleer was like the rooster of the coop, the head of the, the chicken coop. A leader in charge of guarding all the other animals who depend on him. The peace of the kingdom is broken when ultimate evil comes in the form of worm. And he threatens to destroy the coop, the community of the coop, uh, through the release of licorice-length black poisonous snakes. The community is held together by Chanticleer as he crows the daily office, that daily rhythm that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. And that was a gift that he received out of the discipline and the memory of his own history, which we also talked about in week three or so. He will eventually, Chanticleer will eventually use force and violence to destroy the evil worm. But in this battle against evil, the community around the chicken coop is only able to fight because of their faith and their spiritual exercises and the practices that they've put into place. All of which appear on the surface to be pointless. Just get out and kill those snakes. But if they didn't do it, that evil would overcome them sounds like we're caught what we're called to do isn't it we're called to order our lives around spiritual practices and disciplines that fight against what is normal in our society the norm that we're wrestling against in this culture it's totally countercultural yet totally vital to our spiritual life skazero in his book says this It's a call to order our entire life, not just part of our life, our entire life, in such a way that the love of Christ comes before all else. And in doing so, the very quality of our lives hold the possibility of being transformed into a gift, a gift to our families, a gift to our friends, a gift to our co-workers, a gift to our communities. When I first became a follower of Christ, I was very aware of the impact that my faith was having on my previous life, the life that I had lived. I still played football, I still met up with my mates, uh, but it didn't take me to, to long to realise the vast differences that were opening up between how I once was living and how I was starting to live or how I was now wanting to live. You see, it wasn't that I had to live a new way because I found this new faith. I wasn't told, this is what you've got to do, so shape your life around this. Rather, I wanted to do this now. I wanted to live in a new way. I wanted my priorities, my hopes, the things that brought me joy, they've become different now. I wanted to live this new life. It was more around being with God, pleasing God, than pleasing the blokes at footy. However, to do this and live in the space of the footy crowd, which I really loved, it was part of who I was, it's what I grew up with, it meant that I had to, like Chanticleer, put in some daily rhythms and daily practices so that when the temptations came my way to do something the old life would have done without thinking, I had these things to hold on to. Spiritual exercises that meant I would choose Christ first rather than the smorgasbord of other things that I could have chosen through that time that was not going to honor Christ. That's why I love watching new Christians as they encounter Christ and start a journey of faith. Start living by this new way, the passion, the enthusiasm that comes from their reading of scripture. It opens up a new world to them. It's exciting. And, and you sort of share in that excitement, don't you? But I don't think I'm wrong in saying that complacency in our spiritual walk can be a, a faith killer. And I reckon that's what the devil loves. He loves taking people away from spiritual practice and spiritual disciplines that eventually draw them just that step away from passionately following Christ, becoming more of a spiritual onlooker who sort of knows better, yet allows the other things to crowd in and take the place of God. There's so many people that I know who used to live in such a way where you would think they will personally evangelize the whole world, yet years down the track, they're clinging to faith by maybe coming to church once a month or watching church online when they can or or not giving in the way that they once did, or not serving anymore because, well, I can do something else now. Emotionally healthy spirituality has been all about discovering the rhythms, the patterns, and debunking the myths of the past that we may be transformed in by a living, loving relationship with our God. And it is in this transformation that we want to see the people of KSBC make an impact from Christ wherever you may be, in your shopping centres that you go to, in the streets where you live, with your neighbours, with the people that you meet when you come to church. And how do we do that? How do we make this a priority in our lives? Well, Scazzaro suggests that we create a, a rule for life or a rule of life. A rule that helps us to continue to abide in Christ, even when life is hard. The word rule put me off a little bit. (laughs) So I want to suggest, instead of putting the word rule, I want to suggest that we develop a way of life. A way of life. A way of living so as to continuously keep Christ central to our lives. The idea of a rule, it's actually come out of the Greek word for trellis, that word trellis. When I went to Newport um, as a pastor there, we had a manse and I got into the manse and on the fence in the manse was this trellis, um, man-made out of bamboo, it was a beautiful looking trellis, um, but there was nothing attached to it, it was just an empty trellis, so I thought, oh, I'll rip it up and being the gardener that I aren't, I took too long to rip it up and things started growing and little did I know, the things that started growing were runner beans. And the runner beans actually started growing up the trellis. And I found out that if the trellis wasn't there, those runner beans would have just scrambled along the ground and probably died. It was really important for these runner beans to grow upwards. And it meant that they'd have more fruit once they did. A way of life is like a trellis for ourselves. It keeps us moving upward in Christ. Bearing fruit as we encounter the world that we live. Acts 2.42, as Peter read to us, says they, that is the the disciples, those that were following Jesus, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. These verses follow straight after the account of the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came on the church and thousands came to Christ then and there. They got saved. So what what happens after this? The early church starts to structure themselves in a way to help these new people who have just come into this new way grow. They put a trellis up as such. The early church trellis. (laughs) The structure was based on four activities. The teaching, which is the feeding of the word. And the fellowship, the rubbing of shoulders with like-minded people of faith for building one another up. That's not real clear on the screen, sorry about that. For the breaking of bread, we shared that this morning. We said it's more than just an individual meal, it's a, a meal of community. Binding us together with one another and with Christ. And prayer as well. They would have prayed individually, prayed in their homes, and prayed as a corporate body. There were four pillars as such. The trellis, which is the backbone of the growth of the early church. It was a a rhythm that they engaged with. which saw outlookers looking in, going, I want a bit of that. I want to be part of that. Because we can see the fruits of what was going on. Verses 43 to 47 give some insight as to what happened from the foundation of those, that, that trellis that was put up. Verse 43 says, Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. God was present. It was exciting. <laughs> People were in awe of the many signs and wonders that were being performed by the apostles through God, through Christ. Can you imagine it? This, this band of Jesus' disciples who have now lost their leader. There's a whole lot of rumours running around that he's been raised from the dead. Is it real? Is it not real? I heard someone say to someone else to say someone else. <laughs> but now you hear about this group of people who are doing this without him. I can imagine get the, the word getting around so much quicker. And as people came, more signs and more wonders were being performed. And you can imagine healings taking place in Jesus' name. You can imagine demons being driven out in Jesus' name. You can imagine how those who looked on from the outside would say, i got to get into this. i got to be a part of this. It was exciting. Faith was exciting as they met, as they prayed, as they shared the, the communion As they fellowship together. Verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. (laughs) Everything in common. People coming from all over to, to, to come together had everything in common. That's hard to believe. In fact, in this church, I know we don't have everything in common, do we? How many Collingwood supporters do we have here? Not enough, that's for sure. Not enough. I know everyone online is obviously a Collingwood supporter. So, um, so yeah, we've got a few more, but you know, not enough. But I love rock music. And I know not everyone loves rock music. I am the world's worst gardener. I know we've got so many people who are great gardeners. We don't have everything in common, but I forget the feeling this is not what is being talked about, do we? Because for once, all the people who, who came together had a common bond. They are bonded in Christ. Which, regardless of your likes or your dislikes, you have a commonality that trumps everything. I'm not allowed to say that only Christians who like chocolate can come to KSBC. <laughs> because, above all, Christ is what holds us together. No other thing. Not, not, we're not anything but a community of people who love Christ. You know what? We might have differences here and there, but that one commonality sticks us together so much that we can make a massive impact for the kingdom where we are here, but also when we go home because you know you've got others in this community that are with you when you go to work. Others in this community are with you And in Christ, we are all governed under him. The people, they were together. They were engaged in the teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of the bread. And they were engaged in that prayer times. And it kept them close to God, but it kept them close to one another as well. Verse 45, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Can you imagine us doing that now, literally? What absolute trust that must have been. The risks are massive. Sell your property and give to someone who maybe you don't really know, but they, they need it. That's a huge risk. Yet governed by these four pillars, these, these, this trellis, you can no doubt see the impact. A self-sacrificial attitude that put God in the forefront, God before any of their financial dealings. It takes faith. What does that look like for us now? Well, I don't expect you all to go and sell your houses. (laughs) But just over the past few weeks, I've heard stories of people who have given out of their ability to give, for those who have lost power, or lost their houses, or lost space up in the hills. We have people who are willing to pay for young adults to go on camps who mightn't be able to do it themselves. People who give money sacrificially for providing meals through meal trains. People that give because they can for others who don't have as much. Who give to the church so that the kingdom growth that we're seeing here can continue to happen. Because we see it, um, maybe we don't sell our lands, but we still hold on to that that, that idea of giving as a spiritual discipline. It's a kingdom approach. A kingdom approach to our finances. A kingdom approach to how we give of ourselves. God provides us our gifts, our abilities, our finances, and we have the opportunity to give it back. And it's a blessing. Even this past few months, we've seen our tithing hits the budgets for the first time this year. Most of the year, we've not hit our budgets, and, and we can put the excuses of all COVID's hit people and all that sort of stuff. But as it stands, we're quite behind in our budget. But God is good, and from the faithful giving of the KSBC community, our giving over the m- last month has increased. What a blessing that is! Plus, we are able to give to our community funds, plus, we're able to give to the projects that we set out for our anniversary offering. God is good as we faithfully serve and give of what God has given to us. We need to keep a kingdom mindset in our giving, both to the church and to others who are in need. It was a mindset of the early church. That was part of their spiritual disciplines, which came out of adherence to those, those four pillars, the trellis that was set up. Moving on to first 46 and 47. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all people. Adhering to these pillars of the early church, they were able to, and obviously they wanted to, meet together, both as a, as a gathered community like we're doing here, whether you're here physically or whether you're online, they were all meeting together as that gathered community, but they also met in smaller groups. The temple courts, the big gathering, and small groups, their homes They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. We go back to um, the first Thessalonian verses of being glad, being thankful at all times. You can see this joy of them being together brought that to them. Praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. The final part of the verse 37 says, And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. See, having this community of people totally committed to God and their spiritual growth brought about a growth in the early church. People wanted to be a part of it. They wanted in. It was attractive because God's people were showing the world what it meant to be actively living in relationship with God. The question for us is, In our changed culture, in our newness of how we live, it might look like they had it look back then. So are we able to do this? Of course we are. God hasn't changed. Of course we can. You might say society's changed. Yes. But there's just as many challenges as they had back then or they had as many challenges as we have now. We don't have to worry about the fear of death because a new way was coming that someone didn't like. The early church faced all of that. They faced persecution and it could have easily broken them. Yet the conviction, their obedience to Christ and the the trellis that they put up meant that 2,000 years later we can be here today still passionately seeking Christ in every area of our lives. So a way of life, it's got to include actions that you can consciously put into place to help you to live an emotionally healthy spirituality. Let me give you a few examples that you might begin with. This is all in Schizero's book and just a few practical things. And you might go, I already do some of these, great. But you might want to say, oh, I want to pick up one extra. I want to pick up one thing that I'm going to going to go, yes, I'm going to do that to help myself be practically living out my faith. It might be starting a Bible reading plan and doing that with a friend. Not just on your own, but doing it with a friend. Because friends produce accountability, don't they? Choose a book of the Bible and, and say, hey, would you like to read the Bible with me? Or use Bible Gateway on your, on your phones or your iPads, on your, on your computer. It keeps one another accountable. Um, no, it's not Bible Gateway. It's what's that? U version or something? U version. And you can actually you can actually invite friends to be a part of your Bible reading plan and see where they're up to and go. I saw you haven't read for seven days. Pick it up. <laughs> but be accountable to it, and in it seek God's voice as well through it. Secondly, you might want to develop a daily rhythm. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, two or three times a day, set your alarm to it and stop, reset and find that rhythm of speaking with God, of centering yourself before Him. You might want to thirdly take your Sabbath seriously. It's a tough one because we get out of the habit of doing Sabbath. Taking a day out each week to spend with God away from the work, whether that be your real work, whether that be work that is perceived work but is real work anyway such as getting the chores around the house done all those sort of things whatever it might be to move away from those things and find find time maybe with your family or your own alone time whatever fills you with the goodness of god another thing might be serving using your gifts for the kingdom in term four, we're going to actually do a course called the Shape Course through church. I think some of you have probably done that before here at Killside South, but it helps us to understand and focus on what God's gifted us to do and how we can utilise that for the, the building up of the kingdom. So be ready for that in term four. But, but figuring out where you can serve, it might be a discipline to help you to, to really uh, sort of hone in on your, on your faith walk. Tithing, giving back what God has given you. You may never have done this. You may never have tithed, you may not have grown up in the church and it might be a foreign thing to you and you're going, well, why would I give back? But it's a spiritual discipline that, that he sort of reaps the rewards as, as you learn to give in a way or live in a way that doesn't actually revolve around your finances, around money. Rather it says, I'm going to give you the first part of what I get that I can trust you, God, that you will give me enough for the rest of my time. We're trusting God with our finances. Maybe that's a discipline that you need to pick up or need to think about. Maybe it's, it's, it's putting disciplined time into spending time with family and friends. Maybe work is overwhelming and or, or the distance between your, your family and friends is too much or you've struggled through lockdown. And maybe it's a discipline to start phoning your family I know Solari's been phoning my sister-in-law once a week and um, they've been having wonderful chats and Solari's been really initiating that, that phone call conversation and it's been lovely. Yesterday she got the phone call instead of her making the phone call. It's a massive difference that's made in, in my sister-in-law's life. These are life-giving sort of things that we can put into place that our relationship with Christ can be sort of built on, the trellis that helps us continue to grow. here in his book, he points out a few more of these things and you can grab the book and, and have a look through it. But I wonder if you've seen one or maybe two of those things on that, on that list that can start you on your journey of, of reigniting a passion for Christ in a new way, that your journey towards this way of life of working up the trellis is governed fully by Christ. You know, through living this way, a new way, my hope is that you'll be drawn closer to Christ and transformed in your daily love for Him, that you may become emotionally healthy spiritually. Let me pray. Now, Lord and God, we give you thanks and praise that you have taught us, you have given us your Spirit that we may live in step with you. But God, as we're buffeted by the world around us, it's sometimes hard. It's sometimes hard to live that way. We get taken by the busyness of life, the temptations that come our way. We get governed and ruled by things rather than you. God, help us to orient our lives in such a way that brings you central. That our daily walk might be vibrant, passionate, fulfilling. That like that early church saw, people wanted to be a part of it. God, we just ask that KSBC will be a place that people just want to be a part of. Because of the passionate, vibrant faith of the people inside. We give you thanks. Thanks. Amen.